What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another podcast of mine. It's been a minute. I've been busy, but I told myself I want to do these podcasts, so I'm going to stay committed, and I'm going to still try to get my voice out there to whoever needs to hear me. I'm Lee Davis, and this is Let's Talk Shop. Today's topic is a very interesting topic. It's going to be one of the heavier topics that I talk about before I want to go into some lighter stuff just to maybe get some jokes out there, maybe get people to laugh. But this is a serious topic today. It's called Our Community, Our People. And what I mean by that is, like, our community can be blocks, it can be miles, it can be a little cul-de-sac. You know, communities consist of, of so many people. It can be a, a rich neighborhood, poor neighborhood, it can be a predominantly white neighborhood, predominantly black neighborhood, it can be a mixture of all, like, that is an entire community. I want to talk about communities, communities today, and I want to talk about our people today, because I, I'm kind of on this thing where I hear a lot of people. You know, I went. I, I recently went for a promotion, and I didn't get the promotion. I like to believe I didn't get the promotion because my superiors didn't think I was I was ready. There, I've been, you know, getting some hearsay, this, that, and the third about why I didn't get it. You know. All I ever hear is you got to start setting yourself apart from everyone who's in competition with for you for this position. So going forward, that's all I've been concentrating on. But every once in a while, I'll hear someone you might didn't get this position because you're black. I don't want to believe that, but that's what that's what you hear sometimes. Um, and it just made me think like like are people really? because you you don't want to believe it i mean it could possibly be true but you don't want to believe it some facts that i looked up recently show me that it's not true but so you don't you you don't want to believe it you just want to believe that you know you didn't get the job these are things you just got to do better so i'm just making sure i set myself apart but um as i as i go into it i i think that we as a people in a community have we've come so far along that I don't know if that's always a thing we can fall back on. But I mean, you have to, you know, take a dry erase board, write pros and cons, write what you know about yourself, you know, like like you're going into an interview. What are the, your best qualities? What are your poorest qualities? You know, what are your worst qualities? And what are you doing to make them better? That's how I always taught when you go into an interview and when they, when they start talking about your, you know, obviously you sell yourself and then when you start talking about your you know, you're not the best qualities of yourself. You kind of say, oh, I did this, but this is how I'm trying to work on it. You know, you, you still want to, you know, show the upside of a downside. So, so like I said, I'm not fully believing that we as a people in a community are can result to that. And some facts I had looked up was, <clears throat> and it, it was uh, mostly black fact, facts because I, I'm, I'm black. And some of it was just... U.S. facts. Um, I just this is going to be a random bunch of facts. You take in the information to do what you will. But sixty percent of Black women worked as domestic servants in like nineteen sixty something, nineteen forty four. It wasn't it wasn't very long time ago, but obviously it was some time ago. And of that now, from two thousand seventeen. The number is down to 2.2 percent. So domestic servants, obviously, uh, it's like a uh, 
women may be taking care of it, like cooking in the kitchen, taking being nanny for kids, stuff like that, like domestic service. Obviously, they're getting paid for it, but that number is down to two two per, 2.2%. 44% of whites say they would move in a black person, would move if a black person moved into their neighborhood in like the 70s. That number is now down to 1%. So in an area that is predominantly white, if black people started to move in, in the 70s, white people would move out. Not so much anymore. Um, the blacks make up, and it's kind of crazy because I try to look up specifics, um, but they do consider a lot of um, like people actually from Africa, Americans, uh, you know, people who have, who have darker skin are considered black, but we make up 13% of the U.S. population. If that number is continuously growing, the immigration of black people is continuously growing. So just because you were born here, that that is not entirely the black makeup of America. So you got to count people who have who are coming here from other countries. So I think 13% of people of black culture that's growing is that's awesome. I know it's a long way to go, but baby steps. 90% of Americans between the ages of 25 and older have completed high school and or equivalent. So they got a GED, but they've completed high school with 25 and older. So that's saying these these blamey boomers, these numbers are increasing 90%. So you that's that's inner city suburb schools, 90% of Americans between the ages of 25 and over are completed high school. In 2017, 85% of black Americans above 25 had completed high school or equivalent. 85% you can't look and say we're not being at we're, we're at least not getting past that that point we are getting past that point of those 85 percent 24 percent went on to get a four-year degree or more that is a low number but who's to say that the 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 others haven't got um trade or you know found their own hustle you know not everyone does this make you know ridiculously great job after high school but 24 percent is still a good number for a four-year degree and that number is increasing so um when i i just wanted to throw those numbers out at you just to say hey we can't always resort to you didn't get this because you're black <clears throat> and that's that's pretty much going to today's today's topic i think um and i was talking about this with my fiance and some people i work with obviously all my conversations of conversations that i haven't completed but i'm thinking that uh if i met my fiance 20 years ago and we had our kids and maybe we were in um you know i live in T- I, I live in the toledo area even though i live in michigan and i would think that i wouldn't leave the inner city i would keep my kids in the inner city because i think that we are great parents we are both educated and we have significant intelligence where we can get our kids to the next level or you know or better but let's say and i think about this all the time it's even in the a show. Can't remember the show right now. It'll come to me later. But what can consider to be doing better is to be moving to the suburbs. And we consider that moving up, right? I know a lot of us live in the suburbs, but we're still considered part of the the metro area. And then some people move past it. You know, I've heard people because I actually grew up in Detroit. I've heard people be from Livonia say they're from Detroit, or they be they're from Plymouth, but they'll say they're from Detroit. So, so I'm looking at the metro area. I think that people get successful and they move away from the community. And I think that's what hurts the community because all the good people are moving out and all the bad people are staying. 
and I don't want to say bad people. I take that back. All the the not doing so well people with bad people stay because they can't get out, and the community goes gets worse. And I think a lot of times, like what my situation, it didn't work out that way. We moved around like me and my ex moved around a lot with our daughter, just trying to get to a better area, something that we could afford. And then my fiance now, her situation tied us back to the suburbs. But if she, she'll tell you, if I had my choice, I keep my kids in the, in the public schools because I know that we, I would be contributing to helping make schools, you know, look better as far as increasing scores. We're contributing a better way, you know, like if we stay in this community, we'll eat in this community, we'll shop in this community, like we'll, we'll contribute to this community and we'll help our people. So our, our community, our people, that's how I look at it. Uh, one of the things that why I think of our people, our community, is, is how, I, how I stand politically. And I, I get a lot of crap uh, from my family because I, I remember when I started, when I grew up in Detroit, it was just, you know, my parents just said, and like I say, always just said, but I was led to believe the Democratic Party was better. It did more for the people. And, and when I got older, you know, you know, in my 20s, I didn't even pay attention to politics because I'm like, politics don't affect me. Like, there's nothing, and not knowing that they were affecting me then, just like they're affecting me now. Who we, who we support, as far as who leads this country, who leads our community, who leads our states, changes things. And I started seeing things and researching things. Like, you'll see stuff on a Facebook or some type of social media and it'll be a meme and it'll have some crazy thing about you know race or politics or what what was changed and then it's not always true so if you go track back and actually look up the facts on the sources or look up sources that give credible factual information you'll see that a lot of times that stuff isn't true and you can't follow it and I have a little story about that uh, which is kind of funny I'm a big comic book reader. I'm a big comic movie watcher. Uh, one of my favorite characters is Superman. Uh, my son loves Spider-Man. So Netflix has Spider-Man into the Spiders. So I'm watching it. I've watched it, I don't know, a hundred times with this kid. He watches it almost, every, he was watching it at the time almost every day, two or three times a day. The, the Spider-Man in the, in the movie, his name is Miles. And, and I can't remember his last name, but it isn't the same as his dad's. His dad's name is Jefferson Davis. So I'm like, why is... Oh, it's Miles Morales. So Miles Morales, obviously, is Hispanic and black. And his dad is Jefferson Davis. Miles doesn't have his dad's last name, but his parents are married. I didn't look into that, but I did want to know why it was, why it was like that. So I'm looking it up. I'm going into like all these comic book sites trying to see why. Why is Jefferson Davis, like why are him and his son? So like a lot of people knew that... I don't know if you guys pay attention, but Marvel makes a lot of political stands. I'm sorry, Disney. Disney makes a lot of like well-known political stands for women, for people of color, for all kind of, you know, special needs. Everybody Disney reaches out to. If I wasn't into comics, I wouldn't probably watch it because they pan into a lot of it, but they do reach out to these people. They try to attract these people to their movies. It's good marketing. I like it. Well, I like that they know what they're doing while they're marketing. So anyways, I look up why Miles Morales and Jefferson Davis don't have the same name. And while I'm looking it up, 
And I didn't even pay attention to this in high school when I it was probably being taught to me. And some of you are going to be like, what? Wait a minute. But anyways, as I'm looking the information up, someone puts like, it makes no sense that they would make the guy, the dad's name Jefferson Davis and he's black with a Mexican son. I'm thinking like, why would you say some crap? Like, who says that? So then I just like slide like some stuff away and look up who's Jefferson Davis. As I looked up Jefferson Davis, I found out who Jefferson Davis was and I understood why that guy had made that comment. Jefferson Davis was an American politician who served as the president of the Confederate States from 1861 to 1865. So he was a member of the Democratic Party and he represented Mississippi in the U.S. Senate and the House of Representatives before the Civil War. And I don't know if you knew, but the Confederates wanted to keep the slaves. So why would they name a black guy Jefferson Davis and have a Hispanic son? Made, like I, I completely understand. But looking that information up and then going just down the line of the Democratic leaders, some of them have been known racist, more so than some of the conservatives. But that's 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 for you to look up on yourself. That's just some information I stumbled across accidentally. It was kind of just a cool story to share. Just like how did you stumble uh, across that? But you know, why did I why did I become conservative? <clears throat> I became conservative because of my family and because of things that have to do exactly with me. And being conservative, it's not. It's not like, oh, I agree with that, so I'm just going to say I'm conservative. No, it's a list of things that you believe in that make you this way. Not, not everything on this side of the, the, you know, if you do a pros and cons, not everything that I'm, I agree with as a conservative, but more so than I was if I would be a liberal or left. So, like, conservatism is considers individual liberties. They want smaller governments. They want economic liberalism. They want they want deregulation of of the government, um, and they want free trade. Um, and if you guys didn't pay attention to stuff in high school, because I definitely hated history and I definitely hated econ. So up until two years ago, I had no idea what every specific thing is. So I mean, some of this stuff is is like obvious. Um, so like individual liberties, like that's your freedom of press, religion, assembly, speech, you know, the right to privacy, et cetera, et cetera. Those are your, those are your civil liberties or your individual liberties. So they're saying conservatives are more leaning towards that, giving you fat. And that is true. Uh, if you don't believe me, you got to do your research. I can't, I don't want to sway you. I'm just trying to get, let you know that this is where I stand. This is why I stand here. Um, and the small governments, obviously minimal government and private or personal like sectors so for example um mike bloomberg was the mayor of new york and it kind of reminds me of demolition man but mike bloomberg didn't want new york city to have large soda drinks or pop drinks if you're from the north so you couldn't have pop and large because he was saying you people don't have enough control to watch your diet so I'm going to have to take pop away that what did he do he didn't stop people from getting chunkier so but that's something that when you have more government they'll do things like that if I want to go have a large tea from McDonald's and spend my dollar there you have no say in that because you don't make my money but if the government you know helps you make your money then they can say that so that's why I want smaller governments uh 
economic liberalism. Um, that's like meaning the, the the greatest. How do you put this? The the greatest economic decisions are made by the people, individuals, or families, because some companies are owned by families. Um, make the decisions. So they make they make the the the, the greater ec- economic the people with the most money make the decisions rather than a small group or institution or organization. So that's like, I'm trying to think of where I don't sound crazy. Uh, Ford, if you own the most shares, you can make the decisions, you know, like to how you can make more money for Ford versus everybody that, you know, puts the the windows or puts the paint on the, the vehicles instead of them saying no this is what we should do no the person who makes the most who owns the most says the most um free markets um it's part of like our economic liberalism and and like private ownership so the, you know those are the things that fall in our economic liberalism i think that's the best way i can explain it like you'd have to look up to it, look into it more if you like needed to know examples it's like how i understand it uh then like deregulation of government you have to pay attention to this stuff because you'll miss it because we don't pay attention to it because we get caught on so many words of politicians but capitalism i believe in capitalism um me and my fiance just had a conversation before i started this podcast about uh creating competition that's what capitalism does that's how you get that's how you get things cheaper you know if you got apple android lg uh i mean well Samsung, LG, Motorola, they all make phones. All they do, you can text, make phone calls. They all do different things, right? But let's say Apple sells their phone at $300. Because, you know, Apple is the most expensive out there. People will pay for it. But let's say, let's say they sell it at $300 and then Android comes out with a similar software that is $100. Now, people are going to you know, because of their, what they can afford, will buy more of the Android than they would if the Apple, because they can afford it. So now Apple has to lower their costs to meet competition with Android. But wow, LG just comes out with a phone that's 50 bucks, you know, and so on and so forth. So then they have to lower. So you're always, they're always helping us get the cheaper things. You know, it's just all about what you want, but what you can afford. So that's what, that's what capitalism is. And it's across the board. We were talking about like using marketing um, for, like insurance like if i which i thought is a really great idea i wish she would join me and, and talk about this but her point was you know so let's let's just assume a, a large percentage of people have insurance in america and and but you pay more than i pay and this person behind me pays less than what i pay but the, our insurances are accepted pretty much everywhere let's say you want to get your teeth clean step that aside if you want to look up where the phone is, you can get on uh, Amazon or Best Buy and see who has the best phone for the lowest price. And you can be like, oh, you know, what? I'm just going to go to Best Buy. They have it cheaper than Amazon or Amazon. They'll ship it to me in two days and it will save me on gas. Whatever the case may be, how you make your decision to get the cheaper phone, it works out for you. But how do you know if you want to go to the dentist and if so-and-so charges 150 bucks for a cleaning, but you don't know until you get there or or another place only charges 15 but you don't you wouldn't have known unless someone told you so it should be a way where you can shop those kind of things to help out like those will help lower costs then you'll be then you'll say oh well everyone in the 30 
you know, miles radius has very cheap teeth cleaning. So that's capitalism. And I appreciate capitalism. I want capitalism so I can always get what I want at a lower price than everyone, than if, it, if there wasn't, um, deregulation of government obviously reduces, eliminates government power in particular industries. Um, usually obviously it creates more competition. Uh, when the government is involved, I'm just, I just want less government. So this, these are facts and my opinion together, but when the government is involved or not involved, it can shift market conditions. Um, so for example, I don't know if you knew this, but USPS, United States parcel service was the only service to get mail for a long time. So they could, they could charge all kinds of things for you to send certain packages across the country, across the world, right? For across the country. Then you got FedEx, then you got UPS. And then it was a point where people were thinking that maybe USPS is going to go out of business because they can't compete with FedEx and UPS. But then they started lowering their prices for what you can ship and making it easier to go to the post office, you know? So that's, that's what the government was involved. But until they took away that monopoly from them, it, it made shipping things easier. And everyone, all logistics are advertising now to companies, to, to, corporations to to anything you know to like you know they, they'll communicate with you they say hey you can anything that can fit in this box you can ship across the world 15 across the world for 15 dollars oh cool and FedEx oh, anything you fit in this box and go across the world for for 10 minutes so <laughs> um that's less deregulation of government creates competition capitalism so uh and then of course there's free trade um trying to think of the best way to to describe free trade uh international trade uh how do i explain okay so international trade left to its natural course without tariffs or quotas or other restrictions so It'll, it'll increase access to higher quality, lower price of goods, cheaper imports, especially from China and Mexico. They, if there's less inflation pressure on in the United States, then we can get it obviously cheaper with free trade. Uh, reduces import input costs with reduces to production costs and promotes economic growth. <clears throat> How can I explain that? Because I know I just kind of it, it comes out mumbo jumbo. If you are your hands are free right now, draw a line, right? Just draw a line there like a across a piece of paper. And this line represents what, let's say, uh, David's company. So my company needs to make this amount of money, regardless of. This is the lowest amount of money we can make. Below that line are, is is all the employees, and costs, and like for production, what I have to pay, 
so let's just offer production. Everything below that line is production. So that's that's the people doing the job. That's the shipments coming in from another country. That is that is marketing what I have to pay for marketing. Everything uh, above that line is what I want to is like it's what I want to make. But but that line is the lowest I want to make. I can't go below that line because I have not made a profit at all. But let's say we there's a tariff on some type of trade with um, some type of import that I can't get from Mexico or China, right? But I can't lose that money. So what do I do? I got to cut somebody, some something somewhere. So if I got to pay more to get stuff product over, I got to cut people to do it. Regardless of what goes on below that line, it will change. But I will always make that line. So that's how I, that's how you have to look at it for you know free trade. That that actually affects the economy more than everyone thinks. So that's why I became. I know that's a that's a like a just you. It, you you know, this is all just me saying this is why I am this is why I made the decision to be my decision. You don't have to believe what I believe. This is just why I just want you to know where I stand and where I believe like what helps us become better. What helps the US come because this is what I strongly believe makes the US come become better. So if you I mean obviously you may believe a different way and you'd be able to argue against me. And obviously it's not a convincing kind of a thing, but you I can I would say, Oh, I understand where you stand there, and then we'll just leave it at that. So this is what I think uh, makes the the U.S. better, and that makes our community and our people better. Here's why I say that: I think about Detroit, and it's and it's you know what it's known for. It's the Motor City because GM, Ford, Chrysler are all there. Those are all our American car companies, all in headquartered in Detroit. So when the car companies are doing well and they're thriving that Detroit and the surrounding cities do better it's a blue collar city so we do better we work hard and then you know it if you watch the, the sports games Detroit works hard so let's say you work at a plant you know not far outside the city but not far that's your job 40 to 60 hours a week. When you leave that plant, you might go get food. You might go get food from a little small sandwich shop that's in the area. And that's how that local business in your community stays thriving. Because you leave work, you get food there, you go home. Now, you don't get there. You don't get food over there every day. But you, someone says, oh, I just want a good sandwich. Oh, check out this place. This is where you can go. And you, it's just a circle. You go to work, you make money, you go eat, you support the community, and that's just food. You can be shopping in the area or whatever, buying T-shirts or you know, because there's so many places you can go. I'm just using food places as an example. But let's say the free trade has been affected, and in order for this car company to continue to to make their bottom line they got to cut employees 
So now this and this has happened before, people. They cut forty-five thousand employees. Not at this particular place, but just across the the line, like where this is where we got to cut to make our bottom line. But six thousand of them worked at this place. They went to that restaurant. Three thousand of them stopped going to that restaurant. That restaurant now makes less money than it was. Than you know what it was making. So now that restaurant doesn't make as much money, and maybe instead of you know like they're not a big corporation or or a big business, they're a small business which thrives on how well the community and the people are doing. So if the community and people stop doing well, that will stop doing well, and then they'll shut down, and it'll just be empty space. So just think about that. That's how I think of it. Um, I think another thing that brings us us down that hurts our community. You're probably gonna look at me like turn your head, especially if you're a person of color, or or a female, <laughs> is affirmative action. I don't think that's the answer. Uh, people can argue for affirmative action. They'll say that it cr- creates diversity, and you know ensures that a people are in a sp- specific position. But I don't know if that's the right way to think. That's what I don't think it is the the right way to go. Now I remember I had this debate a long time ago with a guy I work with who's put me on a lot of knowledge of things but I looked it up myself so a long time ago like and I don't even know if Ann Arbor still does it but the University of Michigan they they put their students you get accepted to the school based on points you already get so many points for being black or Hispanic or a female that you get more points if you had your schooling in inner city they're saying that because you had school in the inner city, you're not as educated as a person to, and sometimes it is the case based off standardized tests, but what are standardized tests to me? Anyways, so they're saying that you're not ready to come to a school like this. Is that... It?